Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast. One more episode with special guest Ali. This is a podcast where usually two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on, but today it's two men talking like experts on subjects they are not experts on. Uh, We are going to talk... This is just going to speak miscellaneously on this one. I don't think we have a specific topic that we're going to delve into. Yeah. So this might be another miscellaneous banter episode. And uh, we'll get into it at the three-minute mark. And before then, we're just going to do some announcements and some sponsors. So if you want to skip through, you can, but it definitely helps the podcast if you listen to all of these. So we are first sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics with a K. Go to crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL, N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. You want some of that CBD oil, that sweet, juicy, sexy CBD oil, crushorganics.com, use the code NEIL, and they've also got gummies, they've got a huge range, they've got all of that, so uh, uh, soothe your uh, your stress with some CBD oil, if you want to come see a comedy show, go to comedyuntamed.com, if you live in Melbourne or Sydney, every Thursday night, a great array of some of the best comedians, the best club comedians, and as the name suggests, all unfiltered, you know, there's a lot off the cuff. It's fun. There's great cocktails at the Sydney bar. It's just like an awesome atmosphere. None of that fucking corporate comedy that you get on TV. It's just, it's no holds barred. Good old classic jokes. Jokey jokes. Comedyuntamed.com. Come along. It'll be great. Uh, if you are subscribed to this podcast, uh, I will most likely be uh, altering the subscription model into a one-off cost model at the end of February. So um, if you uh, have been subscribed for a long period of time, send in another question, another topic, another shout out. Try to get through as many as we can uh, before that subscription period ends. And uh, yeah, uh, that should be happening at the end of February, but I'll, I'll let everyone know in the coming podcast what I plan to do in that regard. Uh, follow everyone on social media. Check out the Friendly Geordies podcast, which... Uh, Ali basically manages, and that's every, what is it, every Tuesday? Yep, every, well, uh, every Tuesday on Twitch, live stream, or you can check it out. We release a YouTube uh, video every Saturday, and on iTunes, Apple, whatever you listen to it, every Saturday there's a new episode. That's beautiful. All right, enjoy the podcast, guys. Uh, that intro was by my friend Tim, who actually directed a lot of the short films I did. So, uh, shout out to Tim. He listens now and then, and now and again. So, Tim Man with a with two N's at the end of Man on Instagram. Give him a follow. I shall. I might do it now. Tim Man. Tim Tim Man. Tim Man. When you've got two N's, I like to say Man. <laughs> and then I think uh, the he's got a he's got a little music duo, Clockwork Odyssey. He's a film buff. So, hence the name. But uh, are you a film buff? Uh, I like films. I make films, but I'm actually not that much of a film buff. You're not like um, you. You don't watch the the Tarantino movies first day first show. You're not a film critic. No, no, I don't make it my entire personality. <laughs> I'm one of those people. You know, people who uh, like actually making the thing, but don't really like follow the culture around it. Mm. I'm like that, man. I don't, I don't, I'm not up to date with all the recent indie films. I don't know what won an award at Cannes, <laughs> but uh, I like making films. I love making films. In fact, that was what I originally wanted to do. Do you want to be a director? I wanted up? to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor more than anything. And I only really got into comedy and YouTube uh, as an avenue into acting, funnily enough. And then I just got uh, jaded with the acting world because I hated the fact that you had no control. It was just some random casting director that decided, well, yes, you have the look. Mm-hmm. So um, no, I like to be. I like to be in control of things. But so when you were like younger, you didn't want to be a comedian. You wanted to be an actor, and comedian is just something you stumbled upon. Well, I did, it's not, it wasn't that I didn't like comedy, but uh, I 
actually did a lot of improv in high school because I was I wanted to be a comedian, a comedic actor. So I really looked up to Sasha Baron Cohen and Chris Lilly, right? So that style of just really um, sardonic character comedy, I just absolutely loved. And I would have loved to have done something like that. And I mean, to this day, people are like, you're, you're the brown Chris Lilly. <laughs> and I'm like, bro. Do you the, feel happy when you hear he's that? He's the white Neil Cole Hadka. Um, <laughs> well, dude, yeah, you, man, you like, grew up. Any, yeah, yeah. To be I mean, him. He's a, yeah, everyone absolutely uh, loves him for his earlier work. That, uh, unfortunately, that oh, that one he released on Netflix a, a year or two ago. That bro, you can't just like. Ugh. It's very rare to have like your entire filmography or whatever, everything that you've done being amazing. You're gonna do some. F- some basic shit. Yeah, but but it's been like a decline for his stuff, man. It was Summer High Tie everyone regards as like We Can Be Heroes and Summer High Tie mm. was the peak. And then from then on, it was just, yeah, Angry Boys actually wasn't that bad. There was just so many expectations for that. And this is crazy, man. I watched this stuff when I was like, third. dude, there might be people who might not even know what Summer High Tie is, but uh, this was like a hit, man. And, and, this was so big among um, the school, like the the days after it was released, everyone was quoting it. It was just a phenomenon. And it was because it was after The Chasers, which was another really big kind of edgy uh, sort of comedy variety show back in the 2000s. And they just, they just don't make them like they used to, mate, because Angry Boys was actually all right, man. I, I didn't think it was as bad as people thought, but uh, it wasn't Summer Heights High. And then after that, he did Jemay Private School Girl, which was like, it was okay. But the the beauty of his work is when he cuts between the different characters and you just the contrast and the juxtaposition of and how well he plays them. And then he sort of with Jonah from Tong, he tried to tie in like a serious message into that. And mm. he tried to make the character a bit more complex. And, and it just, the, the tone I felt didn't really work. It was still, both of those shows were really funny. And if it wasn't, he's a product of, of just like, unfortunately, because his early success was so so big the expectations like if jonah from tonga and jamae private school girl were, were released as standalone shows uh and there was no summer heights high everyone would be like this is funny this Ooh. is really funny stuff but yeah because it's um in the backdrop of summer heights high it just it just didn't, didn't it just he, like, wasn't cancelled like well his show which was a massive success as time went on just became politically like dynamite oh, yeah, so apparently Brown new zealand bought uh, I think Jonah See, from it. Tonga, and they they bought it literally for for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And one week in, the news was making rounds that this is like you know it's racist, and they literally didn't even air something that they bought a week ago. Yeah, yeah, he definitely in today's climate, he's uh he's pretty much cancelled. Yeah. And you know, an, a forty year old man playing a teenage girl that's a that's a no no. And that's funny though. Well, like yeah, now <laughs> if anything, that if he came out as trans or something, then it would make it like empowering. But, no, but like, what it, about Jack Black and Jumanji? Wasn't he like a favorite because he played a fourteen year old girl? Yeah, I don't know. There's, There's no appetite real... for it, man. You just can't play like a Tongan. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's a yeah. People are just. Um, sensitive about particular things, but there's no coherent, consistent um, idea of what is actually unethical and what isn't. It's more about how people feel about something. And, you know, in Angry Boys, he did uh, blackface. And uh, I don't know, man, like at at some point, whether that, obviously that's not now, but at some point, all these other races and including what pretty much what we talked about the whole last podcast, but uh, at some point, we have to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. Because the more we see it as a threat, the more we're constantly looking at the historical content. Like, wasn't it a few years ago where, what what was it, like a some bogan woman, like, put her kid in blackface to look like Nick Natanui? And, like, in that particular interaction, they're venerating someone that they look up to. Like, the power there seems to be that uh, they... Uh, admire someone who is a, a a black man who is doing amazing things, and then Nick Natanui even liked it, and he was like, "This is mad." And then like all these other people in the media were like, "No man, you should be offended at this." And and then he had to make this statement, being like, "Yeah, I didn't realize. Now that I've educated myself, this, educate yourself." All these people are the <laughs> least educated. Pete's like, "You did sociology, <laughs> like, yeah, what is that? Like a seventy-eight ATAR? You're so educated, bro." 
<laughs> and, and then they just assume if you knew what I knew, you'd think the exact same way. Dude, why Bro, do I you... hate that phrase. Educate yourself. That's the most. That is the most narcissistic thing you can say. You have no no knowledge of uh, psychology and genetic differences and the way environment impacts people's thoughts. You just assume, well, if this person knew all the information I knew, they'd think exactly the same way I did, which is ironically a very uneducated thing to say. But anyway, that's... Yeah. Okay, tell me something. Why do you think, keeping aside the whole politically correct stuff, uh, why do you think like Australian TV has deteriorated to this level? Uh, it's a combination of uh, the culture uh, at large, but the culture within media and corporate media, because they are people who have who have come through often like media degrees and things like that. And I don't think they're the most creative people out there. They're like creative for a corporate, but I don't think they're as creative as an actual artist who's been doing it for 10, 20 years. But and- what about like 10 years ago? Like I'm guessing that there were corporates involved then too. Sure. But uh, I, the, the more millennial corporates that go in do have that kind of a ideology and it's very hard to do comedy with that kind of ideology because you can find prob- problem, you can problematize anything and everything. And then also it's just financial issues. It's not as when you film The Bachelor, uh, you get hours of content. You film it all in two weeks. You don't have to pay them because they're all reality. Uh, they're just random Wait, they don't pay Random him? fucks off this. I don't know if they... I don't think they nah, do, they bro. pay him. Like, they'd pay him good I money. I don't think they pay... Not, I don't think they pay them good money, man. I think they they, they say, like, you're going to be on the show and there's a promise of uh, social media fame that comes from this now. But I don't know. Maybe they pay them, but they don't They don't pay them a lot. <laughs> Straight up illegal. Dude, they pay... Yeah, look, actually, now that I... Look, I'm sure... <laughs> no, but like, okay, but okay, they right. give them, like, a basic wage, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. but... Probably give them... Or they give them, like, a media wage. So, they'll okay, they'll Crumbs. come They'll come out with, like, maybe, you know, a one-third of a salary or something. Like, they, they, they do all right, but hardly enough to... If you're just, like, a random contestant on The Bachelor... And, look, to be fair, this is my guess, but um, based on... I've heard what actual B-list celebrities get on, like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here... It's really not that much, man. And so I'm assuming if you're just some random chick on The Bachelor, you're not going to get much at all. What kind of a person? You're a B-grade celebrity. You're not getting paid and you're still going and living in some stupid island for whatever, three weeks or a month. Dude, that's going to be like, you've got no (laughs) sense of dignity to do that shit. (laughs) I bet you next year I'll do it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, if they pay you enough, you should. But like, if they're not giving I you have anything, to pay a lot. Yeah, for me just to do like, well, the show. I would do Survivor. I think that's a really interesting yeah. show, and I like the, you know, the 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 game theory and the psychology of it. Mm. I would actually do Survivor. SAS, I might do. You know, I'm a I'm a young guy. I reckon I'm pretty fit. I reckon I'd do all right. Right, like some like um, one of those games you're like family feud or some shit. Yeah, yeah, I'll do one of the or any of the quiz ones yeah, I do, yeah. bro. I do the chase. Hot seat. But I'm a celebrity, get me out of here is like really humiliating. Well, it's really a it's, cry for help. I'm dude, a celebrity, please get me out of this situation. It's sad. Cause <laughs> they're dude, they're not even celebrities. It's like this is a chick who works in marketing. <laughs> well, Australia fuck? doesn't have that many celebrities anymore, which is really unfortunate. Oh, it's former footy players now, and it's not even the good footy players. It's like the the B grade footy players. They're they're really scraping the barrel, man. But uh, yeah, it's more cost effective to film those shows, right? It's far more financially viable to film a reality TV show, and you know you don't have to pay a script writers and editors, and uh, you you. You know, you uh, there's a lot more streaming capability. Uh, oh, having said that, with scripted stuff, there would be. But you know, you you know, for the same budget, you get eight half hour episodes of a scripted show, a comedy. You you could get um twenty to thirty episodes of a reality TV show, and you know, these are all business minded. And look, if I was making the business decision, that is so much more cost effective. So what? It's still, the TV's dead essentially. It's dying. It's not dead yet. It's still um, anyone over the age of, um, bro, even like 35. You see people who are like, bro, when are you going to be on the ABC? And I'm like, what? 
35? Really? I don't, I don't... I don't know about 35. 35-year-olds are... Do you know what people still watch on TV? They watch sport a lot on TV Yeah. Still. Well, that's because there's a live element. You know, you can't stream uh, a sporting match and, you know, you want the spectacle. It's also like a lot of capital that needs to film a, a big sporting event and, you know, a big company kind of has that. Whereas, you know, you can't... What Comedy is is better suited to online because you have total freedom, total artistic freedom. You don't need a big budget to be funny. You need a big budget to make a good action movie. You need a big budget to make reality. You need a big budget to even do a good drama because you need good actors. You need a good script. To be a, a funny character, you need a phone and you need uh, a good comedian. And that's it. And that's why all the good comedy has migrated to... First, it was social media. Now it's TikTok. Dude, there's no good comedy left on YouTube even. All the good YouTubers that were comedians have transitioned into something a bit more serious. And I feel like YouTube is like a great educational resource now. I watch so many um, like geopolitics and uh, just other politics and science videos on YouTube. I, I like learn so much from YouTube and, and that's what, what, what I watch on YouTube now. And all my comedy I get from, yeah, in Instagram and, and TikTok and occasionally a, a Facebook video pops up here and there, but um, don't really get much from TV. Um, I wouldn't even know what's on TV. Dude, long format is kind of dying as well. It sucks saying this on a podcast, but don't you think like podcasts are also dying? I don't know, man. I'd have to. You'd have to look at the the number. I mean, like, I think there was a big burst of of podcasting in the probably like twenty fifteen to twenty twenty. Yeah. And then now it's become a bit of a meme that you know every millennial or every dude starts a podcast, and and you know I did that. No, so it's true. Did. Like, I mean, but uh, yeah, that it's not as um exciting as it was. But I don't think it's. There's no way it's gonna die out i don't think it can i don't think that's even what's happening is it's integrating with the you know the the traditional institutions in that spotify are now producing their own podcasts and channel nine have their own podcasts and there's a podcast app that is you know now they're offering quite a bit of money man like they if you get one of those spotify deals you get dude way more money than we make and they get one tenth the the listens we do but i've also heard stories about um well, like podcast uh, one or some shit? Uh, they were trying to get a lot of young people to... This is what I... I don't know the like industry goss, but this is what I've heard. Spotify were trying to get a lot of people to uh, migrate. They just want to be seen as a podcast platform. And I think that was a big reason they spent all that money on Joe Rogan. And like, I think because that you know they want to keep people on the platform as long as possible. When you listen to a three-hour podcast, that's... Uh, you know, people are obviously just on the platform longer than when you're listening to a bunch of songs. And so I think their strategy has been to get as many good podcasts on there. And they got all these TikTokers from Australia to try to start podcasts. Now, you know, not everyone just translates into a one hour talking format. And even, dude, like you listen to the first ones, Jordan had a bit more experience there. And so he really carried that. And I was terrible. I couldn't talk for, at length and, and, you know, I'd stumble on a lot of things. And I mean, I st still, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm no Ray Hadley, but uh, I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> and you can't just, and also like a, a Gen Z audience, they literally don't have the attention span to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. And they clearly are the future, aren't they? Actually, you just put up a, I think it's an Insta post or like Facebook or something where you put up like the population demographics. Mm. The curve bill, like most of the population is still our age in Australia, which is kind of weird. That was cool to see that. Like yeah. my age exactly, like 28 and male was the biggest group. Which is different to the US. Boomers are bigger in the US than like our generations. Really? Yeah, our generation, like literally our generation and our parents' generation was the biggest. And then yeah. Gen X was a drop, and hence, because of that, Gen Z is tiny. Gen Z is really small. We're looking at those curves, man. It's And then I don't, everyone loves Peter Zihan now, and he's really... I don't know if his stuff's going to come true, man, because uh, he, he has some pretty bold predictions, but it's it's cool to think about, and he's really hooked a lot of people into these uh, 
uh, you know, tr- trends. Wait, what, what, are, what are his predictions are... about Gen? Well, he oh, said okay, that so... Gen Z sucks, right? That's one. They just want to yeah, sit yeah, in yeah. their cupboard and code. He talks a lot about how demographic trends are going to affect economies in the medium and long term. So, they, but the... for ours, because I know he's saying Russia and China are screwed, and and he also says Germany and Italy, where they've mm. got a big population bulge in their fifties and sixties that yeah. are about to retire, and what happens then is that you know a lot of them are no longer productive economically. Yeah. And so the burden is borne by... And then these, particularly like these Western Europe states, have a much higher... You know, they, they, they have more benefits. They got too many benefits, mate. And so the workers... Well, they won't have, for long. Yeah, I know. It's gonna. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not looking good, actually. And then... Um, so there's this huge portion of... This big bulge of the population that are going to move into retirement. And then they're going to be retired for a while before they actually pass away. So... Uh, they are going to, you know, require um, care and economic support. And so then one that like, you know, they might have had on average one child, that one child has to take care of two grandparents, limits their ability to work, limits their ability to start a family. And it really screws up the overall productivity and ability to um, maximize your GDP for an economy. And then all the structures of that economy that rely on a certain one inbuilt growth growth mechanism, but also just a certain amount of productive workers. When they no longer have that amount of workers, businesses go bust, and you know they unless they can completely redesign and restructure the economy, or what they're doing is like mass migration, which is exactly what's happening. And you know then there's also social tensions that come around with that. And he basically, yeah, he says in the next 10 years, China goes off a cliff in terms of their demographics. Russia does too. In the next 20 or so years, Germany, Italy, um, and then following that, maybe Spain, these sorts of Western European countries, uh, they really struggle with their demographics. France apparently has a really good um, fertility rate and their population really? curve That's is That's interesting. Right. I don't know that. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what are they doing there? There's a lot of benefits for the French accent is getting them laid. Yeah, they're p- clearly fucking. And then I think there's just a lot of benefit. There's still a big Catholic population. There is a big um, Muslim population, and like oh, that's as true. you know, they you would know eight to ten percent. That's they right. Have, they have a lot of Massive. kids, man. They're fertile people. Dude, also something that we spoke and, of in the last week's episode. Most of the population, the most of the Muslim population in France was straight after the Second World War when they needed a dearth of um, workers and they literally picked up entire towns. Yeah, yeah. There's places in France and and, and there's like little enclaves in Paris where, yeah. from what I've heard, I don't know if this is a conspiracy Algerians or whatever. Algerians and Moroccans. But yeah, they're just, ex-colonies, yeah. Well, they're still kind of neo-colonies mm. and they half their football team is then. And yeah, there's all this like big tension there right now and then the whole... You know, Marine Le Pen nearly won the last election, and then there's an even a guy even further right called Eric Zemmour who got about sixteen percent in their first round, and Macron himself moved a lot further to the right. Like the whole country is moving towards a much more nationalistic. Man, that's right Europe with- for you. That's everywhere actually. It's it's pretty it's pretty insane. But I think like there's a bit of a moderation force coming back in. You look at like different countries. Uh, you know, the, the for lack of a better word, the left is sort of coming into power. Joe Biden, Australia, uh, Brazil. I mean, it was really close and things are going sure. insane. Would you agree that the, like, the left has moved further, it's just continually moved to the right in a way? Like Joe Biden is, it's, he's hardly left wing. Yeah. He's left to the Republicans. He's basically, Democrats would be like our Liberal Party, honestly. I mean, even, I mean, yeah, maybe. Like, Mm. they probably even have even more. I mean, but in America, you expect that. It is the land of the free. Like, they, their economic model has always been far more liberal and laissez-faire. So you sort of expect that. But even, say, in like... You know, Corbyn couldn't win in the UK, and so then, the, but the moderates are the ones that seem to be winning. But, but at a, the same, according t- to all estimates, I think uh, the Tories are losing the next election in the UK. Yeah, because Boris is a fucking idiot. Like the, I reckon the actual energy is is moving towards a more. It's not like 
right as it's not economically right, but it's a yeah, it's a more sort of countries are becoming more isolated and nationalistic, and it's not like they don't want a large state. They want, you know, they want uh, people want manufacturing jobs to stay in their country. They want to limit migration. They want the state to actually play a role. So it's not like Man, they want jobs conservatism like- as such, but they want a national identity, and they want, uh, you know, they they. They don't like <laughs> globalism. Dude, the <laughs> irony is that even if the manufacturing jobs came back to them, they won't be hired. Because, like, yeah, it's done, man. It's- man. Those kind of manufacturing jobs, these like these people, these semi-skilled people that did some of these factory jobs back in the day. I mean, they were skilled in their areas, but like in today's economy, some of those skills aren't really as required. So, even if manufacturing comes back to, let's say, the first world. It's going to be really high-end technology stuff. Yeah. It's going to be like producing chips. It's going to be like... So, like, you've got to upskill either way, even if you want to build things. You do, yeah. Their their skills are, unfortunately, uh, obsolete, but... So you're not going to, like, start making chairs again, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's, that's not happening. And then, you know, the, the way AI and robotics is going, like, I'm sure a machine will just take over the we'll entire manufacturing process soon enough, if it hasn't already anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like they are like, maybe there's a moderation coming back, but it, it, it looks like, uh, all of Europe, America and Australia is an an interesting case, not so much here, but Europe in particular through the 2010s took a huge turn rightward culturally, Mm. culturally. Yeah, because they've just been in a recession since, bro. They they never really recovered from 2008. That's true. Like Greece, if you think about it, Greece is a country. Its economy, its GDP shrank by 25% and never came back. Dude, Greece is done, man. It's such a, it's not in a good state. And those Western European countries, they're not in a good state at all, man. They're like, essentially Germany and France is keeping Europe like it's afloat. Dude, I'm gonna be honest, it's just Germany. Yeah. France is cool, but Germany, they're the ones that really control Europe. They've got the all because yeah. you can't really beat France has a lot of issues, man. France's uh economic um uh model is still a little outdated. They haven't done some workers' reforms, they're still kind of living in like the you know the the golden 70s socialist era a little bit. Germany is just a beast. They produce the most. They they're such an export surplus country that most countries yeah. envy them so much. They're they're manufacturing. So they actually managed to hold on to their manufacturing because, you know, they moved to really high-end so stuff. They're efficient people. Yeah, they're efficient people, but they also like started they they're Mercedes, BMWs, they're known as luxury brands. What is it? Do you think there's something about the because the the two former imperial World War II powers became really good at manufacturing? Is there something about uh, a culture that uh, trended to you know fascism and imperialism that makes them better workers when it comes to manufacturing? Because clearly, it looks like you know the, those two in particular, Japan. Ooh manufactured all of our electronics and was really good at it and now i don't know what like it, it was it was people were saying it was going to be the next big superpower and then it just plateaued and a lot of that is due to the but the dude the birth rates there are fucked. yeah it's the worst it's fucked. it's it, japan is what like the rest of the world is going to be in That's 10 what years yeah. people say yeah like no one has kids and they're not and i'm like, dude i mean like there's a Something's gonna happen there. Like already, that former prime minister got assassinated. Like that's fucking wild. And um, Germany as well, great manufacturing. Like, what is it about these? Uh, Do I reckon they were better even before imperialistic, the imperialistic. You know what culture that do they have that breeds these? Like, because you know, the, from what I've heard, the Japanese work ethic is so steeped in honor and discipline and. You know, it is you. It, you, it's so shameful if you don't do your duty to the and and you know dot dot every i, cross every t. Like they just take so much pride in doing a good job. And, and then, you know, Australian work culture is like like we are proud of like chucking a sickie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of mad. Which is amazing. But, yeah. 
But yeah, and then from what I've heard in Germany, Germany. They're, they're also... Dude, I don't Look, man, I honestly think that they were always a big manufacturing hub even before the war. But I know one thing that Germany's... Um, like, what is our TAFE system? Their uh, special skills, like, is amazing. Like, the world needs to learn how that happens. Like, while you're at school, you're constantly getting practical experience. Mm. It's just so embedded into their uh, education system that practical experience is just as important as sitting in the classroom. So by the time you're actually at your job, like how we would be when you graduate from uni, let's say at 22, 23, they already have four or five years of actual practical experience. Yeah. And wow. trades is very encouraged. Some countries have the stigma where Australia doesn't, we're pretty good with that, but like some countries have a stigma that oh, you shouldn't get into trades. They're uh, not as worthy as like becoming, you know, whatever uh, high end professional not in Germany, man. They take pride in it. They should. I think that's a great yeah. culture, and I think um, you know you need to you need to foster that. And, and a lot of the issues men are facing are because they don't have practical. Their mind is more suited to practical work. And as the same way, they always said, learn. You know, as a joke, learn to code. If you lost your mining job or something, <laughs> yeah. if you've trained you. If your mind already had a proclivity for practical learning. And then you've done 10, 20 years of that and your neural pathways have formed in a way that is suited to seeing objects and working with your hands. You can't just expect someone to oh, hey, just go work in an office now. Like some people do it and, right. and, and that's great. I'm sure there's people who listen to this podcast that have gone from a, a physical job to a uh, you know, mental job. But if someone's done that for 20, 30 years... And, you know, and then they're still 50. They've still potentially got 20 years of work left and they might still have teenagers at home. It's not like they can suddenly retire. Of course, that's going to cause a lot. Like all these deaths of despair in the US, uh, uh, a lot of them are men in their like um, late 40s and 50s. <laughs> Do you know like the reason why Japan and Germany were imperial powers in the first place? They know what we're saying. They thought that they're better than everyone else. They kind of are, but they genuinely believe that. Like Japan... Well, Germany as well. Germany, like, you know, they made an entire thing about being the superior race. Yeah. <laughs> and even Japan. Japan was fucked up, man. Japan fucked over Asia so much. And they were, like, brutal because they just thought that they were better than everyone else. Well, they nearly, they came here. They bombed Sydney. Yeah. They, they bombed Townsville. They went everywhere. And, like, their tactics were horrible. Like, not that, like, the other like party the was any better. They had the kamikaze. They were yeah. the original suicide bomber. Dude, at one point, like, Japanese had uh, invaded uh, Burma at the time, Myanmar now. And uh, they wanted to take over uh, British India. And so they wanted to start it with they wanted to start with Bengal, which is right next to Myanmar. Oh, they made a movie about this, haven't they? Well, the, the no, yeah. I, anyway, go on. But yeah, I, I know. I think I know this. Story. But at one point, they realized that um, they're gonna not be able to do it because the British Indian Army had like you know they'd retrained or some shit. So they're like, okay, well, we'll just destroy all of Bengal. Like we'll just bomb the shit out of it. Because we can't get it. Was this the time when Winston Churchill didn't give food? To By the way, the British did exactly that. Because British also, I mean, again, this tells you, like, you shouldn't just blame one country. But British, Winston Churchill did that too. Because uh, what happened was there was a point when the British Empire thought that the Bengal takeover was imminent. Like the Japanese were ready and they were going to do it. So the way they tried to avoid it is by destroying Bengal to the point where it becomes like Jap Japanese don't want to take over it. Like it's so run down. So there's no food. There's no, and that's why there was the shortage, the, the famine, because they didn't want to send food because they knew that if they sent food, the Japanese are going to take over and they'll be able to sustain themselves. They destroyed all infrastructure projects. They destroyed buildings. Just make that place so run down that the Japanese go, what's the point? Let's just stay here. Well, man, credit to um, them now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing pretty well. But that's I mean, rough. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This is, man, well, war is all brutal. Of World War II. Yeah. I mean, it, it's But it's these people had like no stake how... in it too, right? You know, if you're like, if you're living in France or if you're living in uh, England or Germany, sure, it's just they're a board, like, it's a board game. So even, even though if you're like an average person, you go like, well, look, fucking Germany's going to take over. And like, I, I know what's happening. Sure. But if you're living in Bengal, you, you're like, man, like, 
what the fuck? Like, I am not even close to Europe. None of this thing applies to me. Why do you both sides keep bombing my ass? Yeah. It's so unfortunate. Apparently the, the big board game Indians people. Indians used to look at the Second World War until the Bengal stuff happened as like a soccer game. They'd be like, ooh, okay, this one's winning. Ooh, yeah, this one's winning. That's how they looked at it until like, you know, shit got real and they're like, oh shit, like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna Bengal might go. But mm. it didn't, it didn't. But the, it, it, well, that's one thing. The Japanese were freaking brutal towards Koreans. They, they they had like the Koreans had like this holy place that um and the Japanese when they took over Korea in Seoul they wanted to prove that you suck so much that they built their headquarters over that holy place <laughs> like no didn't even like say like oh no this is now Japanese just like Jeez. yeah this is my office now get the fuck out of here <laughs> Jesus man that's uh yeah. And Chinese, dude, they were so, they were so, they killed so many Chinese people. It's like, they were brutal too. And all because they felt that they were the superior race. And in certain regards, they were. (laughs) They were definitely better than the Chinese, man. I can tell you that at that time. Yeah, they, um, yeah, those two, those two cultures are known for their, uh, their discipline and their work ethic, but yeah. uh, that, that definitely was taken to a very extreme place. <laughs> Have you Not seen- even that long ago, historic. It's, it's really wild to think how close to us that was, historically speaking. I mean, you know, yeah, my grandma was like a teenager in what, during World War II. Like, it's not that it's slowly becoming a memory that we just know through secondary sources, but... Man, that was not long ago. Yeah. Really wasn't long ago, man. And and the fact that the world was in that much of a state of chaos and there was that much bloodshed and just just brutality and insanity. They say 10,000 people died every hour between like 1939 and 1945 or some shit. Yeah. Dude, that's... Yeah, we... we and we got a good good quality white people too, not just anyone. <laughs> oh man, I mean, look. Well, how much of the boom, the baby boom, was because of the? It was the after grand the stability it was, that it wasn't came just out. after the war. It was after the first world war, the depression, and then the second world war, and then yeah. everyone was like, "Let's fuck and just have a family and not worry about anything." But what a golden era for you know humanity post World War Two. Yeah, now it's coming like, to an end. Yeah, it's coming it, well, by all accounts. It's it's kind of already gone. But, you know, like the 50s and 60s, things were great almost everywhere in terms of stability. And some countries were still yeah. poor and stuff. But, you know, like... Dude, for most people, uh, for that for that generation, for the baby boomers, I mean, they still got it good. They, they still... They're they not, re- they're, the economy is still great for them. Yeah, yeah, true. And like every stage of their life, they changed either culture or the economy to suit them. In fact, there's a great video by What If Old Hist uh, who talks about just the boomers and their culture and, and, and how they influenced the world. And, you know, they really did. Be, well, it was the greatest generation, the, the, the actual veterans of the World War that built the institutions and really designed the, the post-war era and, like, you know, all these different structures that essentially are yeah, still the world today. Yeah, boomers don't get that and credit. The, they just reap the benefits. Exactly. All they did was after this era of stability, after 15 years of people who have experienced war saying, hey, look, I've seen some tough shit. It's important that we just have a family and we stick to traditional values. And they were like, well, we want to smoke weed. Yeah. It was so self. It was so and self retired with five houses. In, the, in hindsight, <laughs> like they they were like, we want to smoke weed, mm-hmm. and then and have orgies. And they didn't think about the ramifications of the the sixties of the cultural liberalism that now I would argue our generation is bearing the consequences of because we are in a horrendous dating environment. Everyone distrusts the opposite sex and there's no 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 like i'm not even being facetious like there's no sense of uh just order and structure because the boomers were like man it's all sexist man like we got to just smoke weed and listen to bob marley and then 
when it got to the 80s, as they started becoming, you know, they 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 were in their 30s and 40s, they were like, yeah, let's just like liberalize the economy, man. Like let's <laughs> let's just Fuck like welfare. Yeah, like I'm I'm now I now have one house. I want five, and all these like great post-war institutions that maintain the stability of the country slowly degraded to the point where it, you know, that has basically been the era that we've lived in for the last 20 to 30 years. And now the boomers are finally retiring with their five houses, all their like years of weed smoking and their awesome life that they've lived. And then they they have the gall, they have the audacity to be like, oh, these fucking pussies, these pussies just don't work hard enough. (laughs) Dude, if you look at like the global economy, like the global GDP, literally in the lifetime of boomers, it went insane. Like the wealth triple, quadrupled in a matter of a couple of decades. And, and it wasn't really them as a generation. No, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. was their parents. It was their parents, their but parents they reaped the benefits everything. of it. Their parents fought in the war, probably lived through the depression as yeah, children. Yeah. That's why they're the golden generation. They're World the greatest War I, generation. Depression they're, and they're, they really built that world. And then the boomers were like, mm, it's oppressive. It fucked it up. And they, yeah, the boomers fucked it up, man. Like they, they. <laughs> They're not a good. I don't. I disagree with Jordan on this, man. Like, because Jordan really likes boomers and things. Dude, he's Gen a contrarian. Is that's the, why he's he says it. That like anything that people are saying, he'll he'll have to take the opposite side. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not arguing that boomers. I'm not saying what most people are saying, which is like, oh, boomers don't understand race, and like boomers are actually the oppressive ones. I'm like, no, no, no. They fucked up the culture by being way too culturally liberal. Mm. And that, and look, this was like just the hippie people or whatever. It was not the majority of them, but they just that was short sighted, and I don't think they understood the ramifications of uh, degrading the 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 order of how things were. And I'm not saying everything was great, especially when it came to like racial issues and things, but, uh, you know, particularly when it came to like, I'm, I'm, and I'm talking more specifically in terms of like how we live our lives and, and, and how we date and how we, you know, how we see, uh, pleasures like, like drugs and, uh, you know, pop, pop music and all these sorts of things. These are like short-term highs. They they wanted to create a, this normalization of short-term highs and expect that there'd be no cost to greater society. Did and you know look what? at the cost, man. Th- this look is- at the cost. Someone who's had hippie parents, I guarantee you they're just like a terrible human being. They cannot, unless they've rebelled against that and they've become highly structured, they have no sense of boundaries, no sense of duty, no sense of purpose. They can't hold down the job. Because they're just they they were they weren't you know even told to do their homework, and they're just they're just not people that create a productive and efficient society. Yeah, definitely. I think I think. Well, that's us, right? I, I agree with about, Abe Simpson. About our bro. generation, really. Abe yeah. Simpson, bro. Like, yeah, because our generation was raised by boomers, and and Abe Simpson's right. So, oh, these fucking hippies. <laughs> He's right, bro. <laughs> the time, man. Uh, no, no, fair enough. Classic music was better than they, 60s music. They, they were definitely the luckiest generation. In hindsight, we can say it because the world is kind of ending. But you know, one of the things that I think, again, for civil rights, th- okay, I agree. The civil rights thing, that was mad. Good on them for doing <laughs> Well, again, that was like, they were young. <laughs> They're yeah. old. But, um, one of the things that, like, in hindsight, this is a controversial take, but I just thought of this. I think one of the best things that happened for that golden era was the Cold War. The Cold War, because, like, the good thing is it never went hot. So, because we have hindsight, yeah, it never went hot. So, we didn't have, like, a full-scale war between the U.S. and Russia. But what it did was... It had a lot of proxy wars. So if you're from fucking El Salvador or if you're from Guatemala, then like, yeah, it was shitty for you. But generally, both sides were bribing every other country to stick with them. And so there was so much money being circulated in the global economy as a result. So many countries were afloat because of it. So you had like demand everywhere. It was good for the economy in a way. Yeah, when when two global powers... Are competing for geopolitical influence, it actually does seem to benefit the infrastructure and the economies of 
countries that they want to get on their side. I mean, look at the the what the Belt and Road Initiative now. That's benefiting mm. a lot of countries. That would, uh, yeah, exactly. And that's also probably, but like, even the freaking space research, mm. it was insane because of the Cold War. And as soon as the Cold War ended, there was again a dearth of funding towards it. Like the Cold War, again, it was really stressful. And if you were living in that time, you never knew where it's going to go. No one knew that, you know, one day Soviet Union is just peacefully go going to implode. If you knew that, you would look at that time as amazing, which I think I do now. Sure. But it could have gone pretty bad. It could have gone really bad, and it was really close. To yeah, a few a times. It was very <laughs> freakishly close, man. And yeah, I mean, he, even if you're a psychopath, you understand the ramifications of a nuke. I like to think, you know, even if you are the most megalomaniac type of person, you you do start to think, ah, oh, that's it's not just this nuke that's going to cause unbelievable carnage. It's the chain of events that it's going to set off, and yeah, you you, you wouldn't want to be the person who unless you were the U.S. and got in early <laughs> and you just dropped. Yeah, true. Like when they were that level, yeah, yeah. But but by how advanced they got, like today, they're. From what I've heard, like multitudes more powerful. Oh, bro, yeah. No, like, now, like now it's, it's like legitimately end of the world. Yeah, they're so much more powerful. Like the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs, easily a hundred times bigger than that. And every nuclear country has that arsenal. They've got all sorts of ones. They've got little ones. They've got big ones. They've got medium ones. They've got one that can blow your country. The one that can blow your city. You don't want to think about it. They got long-range ballistic I'd missiles. I'd rather just die if there was a nuclear war. I'd rather just die in the initial oh, yeah, blast because, like, the the after effects I want that would be to hit really me really bad. I want that missile to hit land on my head. Yeah, dude. Instantly please. evaporated, and that's the best way to do it. Because, man, if you survive, life is gonna be so shit. Yeah, yeah. I've seen way too many ap apocalypse movies to like want to be there. Life is shit already. <laughs> <laughs> Could I add a nuclear bomb into the mix? Yeah, that's why we got to get a colony on Mars, man. Yeah, like and make that shit too. <laughs> like what? Well, look, that's the human condition, man. The, the people that go to Mars. Competition actually comp competition spurs innovation. Warfare spurs a lot of uh, technological advancement. Yeah, but what do you think of Bill Maher's point on this? Like, there's one problem, guys. There's no air there. <laughs> Like, stop fantasizing about a place that has no oxygen. Yeah, but, you know, we, we'll put Make a space a station. We'll put a All we need is a thousand people there, man. Just as a, as a safeguard against even an ass. Dude, like, the ch people don't realize that. And, and uh, what? What are scientists say? Every, you know, couple of million years or what, even, even every couple of 10,000, you know, there's a certain... Uh, expectation that a that a catastrophic asteroid hits hits Earth in an, in an every given amount of time. Well, then we run out of time. That's it. Well, That's, we're gone. That's like what is this immortality that you want? That like you want to live on forever? We had a not good me, run, but let the human race at least try to make it to Mars. That's why? Bad. What is? Why is the human race so special? <laughs> they've they've done. Like, whatever achievement that you can think of is just selfish. Like, well, yeah, why do anything? Why, why? No, don't. Just live out. And, like, when the thing happens, then you get just knocked out. That's just it. Kill yourself now, then. Overpopulation's no, a big problem. I'm not going to, but, like, if so there's a, theory, a nuclear there's something, bomb. There's something going on there that's keeping you going. There's a, there's a human spirit that wants to... Uh, yeah, it's my survival the instinct. the next frontier. And, and yeah, it's partly, yeah, it's a lot of it is just the survival yeah, instinct. It's, and the way it's literally just we that, can bro. then rationalize that with abstract thought. Well, you can, but, but like, pretty cool. at the end of the day, it's just like it's coded into you to try to stay alive as long as possible. Other than that, there's no reason for you to do it. So, uh, look, considering there's, what, seven, eight, now eight billion people, there'd be enough of a portion to... to to do it, to uh, once the technology is there, they'll want to start that colony. So it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, you're going to sh fuck it up. I'm just saying. Like, okay, if you... There's a story of history. There's like, there's, you know, there's positive and there's negative. Like, there's unbelievable catastrophe. And there's also amazing 
technological yeah, advancements. Yeah, but like, do you really want to and... walk around with a scuba tank your entire life on Mars? Like, I think you have to have a scuba. Bro, there'll be like a mad dome, and then you just live <laughs> normally in the dome. Or then there's also uh, there's technology that uh, they project will will sort of be like these kind of circular cities. Well, they're sort of they're sort of like cylindrical of some in some regard, and they just sort of float around the solar system. Well, just like a giant cock floating around. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then they also say Europa and some of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn could be uh, habitable in the sort of in the twenty two hundreds and twenty three hundreds. And then Venus. I mean, NASA is even has funding towards exploring the possibility of a colony on Venus because actually Venus in its upper the upper echelons of its atmosphere the pressure and the and and just the general conditions are a lot more earth-like than than Mars the only problem is it's the upper level of the atmosphere so if they have the technology for like sky cities it would be better for humans to go to Venus okay and they won't get burnt not if they stay in those sky cities. I don't know the exact... Bro, like, I've been to the Middle East. The exact... It gets really hot there, and it was unbearable. <laughs> I'm imagining Venus, <laughs> which is, like, yeah, bro, I'm so sure much some... closer to the sun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I'm sure they'll have some, uh, or, you know, like other by, domes By there. 2300, some disease is just going to wipe us out. Some shit. Do you know, like, what's that? Um, yeah, I was listening to Noam Chomsky say out. this. He was saying, like... um, Every species ever has had a maximum life of 100,000 years and then they get wiped off. It's like, and we huh? are like 200,000 years in. What are there species that have. What? There's so Been many that have existed. Like the they're gone. And shit? Yeah, they're gone. There's so many that have existed and they're gone. So, so you, what so are you so talking about? Most of them have a. Have yeah, like, I'm, I'm not saying like evolved variations of species so i'm not saying like sure. just because a bird exists then that's like a representation of a dinosaur but i'm saying like we as humans there might be something that might get evolved from us that might survive but it might not even look a lot like us because dude 200,000 pe- 200,000 years is uh is a long time mm. like uh you know jesus was 2,000 years mm. so basically what i'm saying is like we've already well not what i'm saying chomsky was saying that we've already outlived our life and law of probability says that there will be a point at some point where we will be wiped out. Yeah, but they were saying all this in the 60s and in the Cold War. Yeah, which was, was like so much 40 dystopian. years ago, bro. This is like a 100,000 year timeline that he's giving you. I know, but like, you know, you got you to gotta have hope. No, I, well. <laughs> Day of judgment will reckon. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um. I like to remain, uh, you know, um, mm, cautiously optimistic. Why do you care about a random human 200,000 years from now? That's like not even your kid or grandkid. <laughs> it's inbuilt into me. It's, it's, as you said, there's a survival mechanism and we have the ability to think in that grand scheme of time. And I think... I don't know. I want my uh, future kin. Dude, they're projecting <laughs> that by like the year 2150, sorry, 2150, the global population will be 3 billion. And then it just keeps reducing from then on. So there's a what? point where Who's we might they? just die. Tr- well, they, the, you know, the mathematicians. What is that? Why? Because like, dude, the, the global population is just decreasing. So it, it starts is, off, yeah. you know how you were saying, with the, so that's the first world. And then like, it's just following everywhere. It's, it's uh, they, Indian, Indian. It's going to peak at about 9 billion, about in the halfway point 10 of the billion. century. Yes. And then it's just going to go down. Yes. And then it's going to go down. And then it's going to go down rapidly too. Yeah. Well, a lot of people just start having kids. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Which is, uh, so we might just naturally die out, you know? It well, might not be an asteroid. billion to zero just due to fertility. No, yeah, but like not, not immediately. You give it like, you know, a span of 100, 200, 300 years. Maybe, maybe, or, we'll, yeah, maybe we've reached our peak. Up. Maybe that's it, 2019 No, we will peak. reach our peak in 2100, I think. That's when we'll be the highest number of humans on this planet 
which I think is 10 billion. And then it's the yeah, rapid Yeah, the thing with these sorts of projections is like they just, you know, you cannot account for the the infinite array of possibilities that are going to drastically change the trajectory of that curve either one way or the other. I don't know, man. I don't think with this one. Like, what, what do you think is going to change that? What's the variable? Well, first of all, we don't. It'll be likely things we aren't even aware of because the world we live in now uh, is is just drastically different to any other world that has ever existed. Look, we're talking but, about population. So what I'm saying is like, what could happen in a hundred years that will make people want eight babies? Well, I don't know. People stop education. <laughs> like Dude, that was a big running... factor. When people, the more education you give people, the less babies they have. If you, yeah, but if we're you... already running out of sperm. I think nature's plan for us might be that. Like, why are why is our sperm level fifty percent? Because we're all cucks. Yeah, but like, dude, that's that's fifty percent lower than what it was twenty years ago. That's rapid deterioration. Yeah, that one is really scary. So we might that's the like the um they they suggest that a lot of that is the uh uh chemicals and things that we. All right, so now let's imagine that. Okay, keeping that in mind, maybe in the future we can develop like uh medical research where to a point where we don't even need that kind of sperm levels let's say like you know with ivf it's already possible only rich people are going to be able to do that anyways so the population decline yeah. is imminent yeah well there's been times in history where the rich people could could do things and the poor people couldn't and then there was a big drop in the population and then and then something else happened and it came back again and i hope to, to, but the fact that if you think it'll just be a Barring like an asteroid or some kind of like, or, or just like very severe climate change to the point where it inevitably wipes out not just us, the majority of life on the planet. If we're just talking about like the 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 environment we've created for ourselves, I can't see how there'd only ever be a steady decline and it would just eventually get to zero. They'd probably then in another 100, 200 years when it's at a billion something will happen and it'll come back up yeah again. you need something like an agricultural revolution which i don't think is happening anymore man i don't know like you started with this the, the way you started this podcast we are not experts on this but i feel like the population decline will be imminent it's not going to be soon it's going to take like you know our grandkids will be dead and their grandkids might be dead but it will happen at some point yeah probably will unless we learn how to be immortal then all bets are off if we can learn how to not die, then yeah, then then we're mm. just going to overcrouch it. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to not know about the world. If you just live in like a little Brazilian indigenous tribe, they'll be mad. They wouldn't think yeah. that the world's in. They'd just be like, let's have more babies. Yeah. Be a Bolsonaro fan, fuck Lula, life would be good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even, bro, they're in the, dude, there's like a thousand uncontacted tribes in the Amazon, man. It's mad. But how do we know there are a thousand if we haven't contacted them? Well, when they say uncontacted, I look, that's a good point. I don't know exactly. I think some of them, they've like flown over and seen them. And some of them, they, they haven't, you know, they haven't sort of, some anthropologist is like said hello or whatever. And then that's it. <laughs> but I don't think. They're like the Sentinel <laughs> Island people. Did, oh, yeah. 1996, the last Aboriginal tribe was, dis, was contacted. That was not long ago. Hey, is that from the movie Contact? 1990. I don't know. Have you seen that? No. Oh, uh, there's this movie that's like, sorry, documentary, which is really good. Dude, there's parts of Tasmania that are really hard to get to. Maybe there's a mad like, Yeah, which tribe. I never understood. I've heard that. I know. I'm aware of that. But like, Tassie is so fucking small, bro. Like, how can we, how are there places that are T still Tassie, undiscovered? Tassie looks small. Australia is so fucking big. Yeah, but like, come on. We can discover Dude, Tasmania. Tasmania is like the size. I did it on a fucking rent-a-car, bro. I saw most of it. <laughs> Tasmania is probably the size of the UK, if not bigger. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying like, you can really discover your UK. It's not that hard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, just saying, I've the heard The geography that. of it must be like, you know, you got to go. Like, maybe, you know, maybe. Remember those like little boys that were trapped in that cave in the, in where, where wherever it was? And then they had to get like a Navy SEAL to go in and get them. There's parts of the world that even without technology is still, because what, I don't know, like a land bridge can form. And then it, and then because over thousands of years, it's something else happens and a mountain comes up and then they're like stranded in a little... I don't, yeah, look, without yeah. technology, it sounds like 
Bro, they, they like... You'd, yeah. you'd be able to get there, but... There's no Aboriginals in Tasmania. Did you know? Like, they... It's... it's Their history is way more brutal. <laughs> yes, I, I... I Yeah, I've heard that. It's pretty... Yeah, it's... Uh, I did not yeah. know that, actually, not until that maybe, like, five years ago or something. And I was shocked. Uh, yeah, they killed them all. All of them, bro. Like, how... Anyways. Um, well... What a somber note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, when, you know, when, like, uh, some people are complaining, it's a genocide, man. Like, they did that in, like, Germany. Can you think of it? I was like, yeah, I can. Like, you come from a state that did that, too. It's like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. People just don't equate certain genocides with others. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the the one in Tasmania. I probably should. Mm. Yeah, it's just as bad as. I'm not saying the other ones aren't bad, but I'm saying, like, come on. When we talk about like the Holocaust and stuff, like you know, we've got equivalents around here too. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Uh, this is probably coming out around uh, Australia slash Invasion Day. So we'll <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, I think I'll take a week off. Um, I'll keep in touch. It's just. Hard to know what's going on with Jordan. Um, for obvious reasons, he needs to, uh, you know, not not tell everyone exactly what he's doing and where he is. So uh, I'll probably do some with Alex in two weeks, and then after that, if if it's still unclear when Jordan's going to be back, I don't know. I might take another break on because I I do feel a bit unfair just doing a huge amount of podcasts without him, but. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'll keep you all updated, and I'll probably see you all in uh, in two weeks. Thank you, Ali, for, for doing no the worries, first three man. of the year. And um, make sure you all subscribe, and I hope you're enjoying 2023. Bye, guys.